Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito all right, that's it. We're starting because don't worry, John. I got you. Yeah, I figured that was that was that was pretty obvious. Uh, all right, we're we're gonna we're doing it. Welcome to checking out the competition, New Jersey Devils, for the second time this season, and we are joined as we I think always are for these Devils pregames by John Fisher of All About the Jersey. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm appropriately warm given the not-so-nice December weather here in New Jersey. Um, and I've witnessed a lot of winning hockey. Have you All seen right. a lot of winning hockey, Kelly? All right. Get, hold on. Just We'll get there. I would first like to talk about, because um, it, was, it was a long time ago that we did our first pregame. It was the season opener for the Flyers against the mm-hmm. New Jersey Devils all the way back in October. Yep. And... I have a very leaky brain, but for some reason, I was thinking earlier today, I think I think John thought the Devils were going to be bad. And then I did a thing that I never do, ever, because the sound of my own voice makes me want to commit seppuku. Mm. I listened to our episode to remind myself what we talked about, which, by the way, was actually probably a good idea. Like, I should probably do that more like a professional would. But again, <laughs> yeah, it, it might listening to myself makes me want to die. Um, but anyway, it was quite interesting because you were, as you mentioned just before we started recording, that uh, you were quite wrong about the New Jersey Devils. And you were, in fact, pretty down on them. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about that. But before we talk about, you know, these kinds of existential things. Let's just talk a little bit about some of the specifics. So it was way back first game of the season that the Flyers played the Devils. The Devils have since gone numbers, numbers, numbers. They have gone 19-3-1 and since that game. They are, as we record this, in the first place in the Eastern Conference, which I think last time I checked, Boston was. So they just must have just overtaken Boston. Yep. Um, 39 points, obviously top of the division, um, generally kicking ass, which is just so annoying. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about first is in that podcast, the first one that we did, the one thing that you talked about as being kind of the most important thing that the Devils did heading into this season was the addition of uh, Vitek Vanacek in goal. So I just wanted to ask you if you are still of the opinion that that addition was the most important thing that happened this summer. I well, first, let me preface this by saying I was wrong in our first episode. I was very wrong. Ooh. I was wrong about my prediction. 
I was so wrong nice. about how I was assessing the New Jersey Devils. Okay. While that assessment looked good for two games, um, the, as you mentioned, the Devils have since the season opener went 19-3-1, which is partially why I remember the loss so well to the Flyers, because the Devils have only had five non-winning games out of oh, 24. So that being said, I would like to say for the record, for the people who matter and the others listening to the show, I was wrong. I am sorry that I got it wrong. I don't think an apology is necessary, but I admire. admire Well, it's important in life, Kelly. It is. It is important in life to recognize when you're wrong. I think a lot of problems in life whether it's general internet discourse, whether it's dealing with personal issues, relationship mm-hmm. issues, mm-hmm. professional issues, a lot of these problems would probably go away or at least be mitigated if people were more willing to admit that they're wrong. It's true. And, and say, I was wrong. I thought I had the right information, but clearly it didn't go the way I thought it would. To be fair, you did have the correct information. At the time, and, yes. And and based on what happened last season with the New Jersey Devils, I don't think it was completely out of line to assume that perhaps they would be bad again, despite the fact that the nerds thought that the vibes were good. Um, but yeah, back to Vanacek. Has that improvement in goal been the most important part of this season so far? It has been absolutely massive. Massive enough to the point, Kelly that he was named the second star of the month by the new, by the NHL in a, in a month in November where the devils went 13 and one and Jack Hughes put up 18 points in 14 games. I didn't name Jack Hughes, the devil of the month. I named it to Vanacek because he was legitimately one of the best goaltenders of the previous month, like up there with the Ilya Sorokins, Alexander Georgievs, And well, that's pretty much it in terms of who's, who's really up there. Mm-hmm. Like the guy has been on fire since the awful home opener against Detroit. He has come into tough situations. He started this past month on a hot run of games out of necessity because Mackenzie Blackwood got injured literally during a power play against the Edmonton Oilers. And even though the Oilers scored on said power play against Vanacek, he, he's been nonstop uh, strong. A couple, a couple iffy moments here and there, but for the most part, you're talking about a guy who has conceded, Literally, just this past game was the first time he's given up more than three goals in a game this season, except for the home opener. That, that's how good he has been. Pretty good. It's been very crucial. And I wrote a big thing last April about how if the Devils wanted to make up a 30-point difference in the standings, they're going to need more than league average goaltending. And I smart, like a smart aleck, I wrote, well, they're going to need Igor Shesterkin-level goaltending if you just want the goaltending to improve. Well, Vanacek outperformed Shesterkin. He's doing mm. that right now. He, he, he's at the top of the ma- He's near the top of the mountain. He's by the summit. The vision is good. The point is that Vanacek has truly been the most important addition. And I would even go as far as to say the most important performer on an incredibly strong New Jersey Devils team so far this season. So another thing that we talked about quite a bit on that first podcast was uh, Lindy Ruff. And despite what looks like pretty strong set of games over the last 24 or so games. Um, There was quite a lot of uh, drama surrounding Lindy Ruff, you know, the fire Lindy chance and Mm -hmm. people being crazy mad, like in a way that you don't often see when a team is, is winning games. 
Um, so I, I know that, that that has kind of calmed down as yeah. far as the fan base goes. But for you, have you changed your mind on Lindy Ruff? Like at this point, would you want him to be extended or do you still think that he's not the right guy for this team? Well, it's an awkward situation because Ruff is in the final year of his contract. And right. I do believe that a big reason why the Devils are so much better this season compared to the previous two seasons under Lindy Ruff is because of the additions to the staff. Andrew, mm. while the power play hasn't been amazing, it's at least mediocre, which is an improvement over Mark Recchi under Andrew Burnett, whom, by the way, bossed the Panthers to their best season ever, their best playoff appearance uh, since 1996 and somehow got canned for Paul Maurice, who, by the way, is not getting the job done right now. Well, kind of sort of is, but kind of it really isn't with a, a Florida team that's underperforming, nevertheless. Uh, and then Ryan McGill, who came in from Las Vegas to run the defense. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's astonishing how the Devils being less aggressive on defense, less overloading, less doubling up on players, less strong side commitments uh, has really helped out the Devils defend their zone and help their goaltenders out more um that being said you know as, as anybody who reads all about the jersey for years would tell you I'm, I'm very much a guy who needs is driven by the data you know we have to have the facts support us we can't have the facts support what we think we got to go the other way around and the facts are showing that lindy rough systems are working fantastically the devils are legitimately one of the top five on five teams in hockey Yes, they shot the lights out. They have a super, they have a very high shooting percentage. Vanacek's awesome November propels their team save percentage to a top six. Um, you know, yes, both of those things may go down a little bit, but the team is over 60% in terms of generating high danger scoring chances, close to 60% in scoring chances, just over 60% in expected goals. Like, pick the metric. The Devils are among the best, if not the best, in five on five. This is a team that they're not going to go. The winning streak may be over, Kelly, but they're not going to go from juggernaut to jabroni. They're still going to be a very difficult opponent for teams to play against. And Ruff absolutely has a hand in that. And so I'm eventually going to have to write the mea culpa here one day, Kelly. It's pro I'm waiting until January for this. Uh, but the results are, are, are the results and the data is showing that he is clearly he's got things figured out now long term. It's mm -hmm. going to have to depend on what Lindy Ruff wants to do. He's been coaching forever, Kelly. Like I can't. Yeah. He he was been he's been a hockey lifer. He also played for a lot of lot of years too. Like he he's one of those guys who's been in the NHL seemingly forever. Um, it's an open question whether or not he wants to continue. And I really do think that Burnett and McGill have more of a handle on why this team is so much better compared to previous seasons. To that end, I would be more inclined to having Ruff around more in a consulting role and have mm -hmm. Burnett have the official job. That would be still my idea. Uh, more cynically, at the at our first show, I was thinking that maybe Ruff is going to fall flat on his face yet again for the third straight season and Burnett yeah. would take over. But obviously, that's just not going to happen unless the Devils have a Flyers-like cratering of a losing streak. Nah, it's not going to happen. Um, before we move on to uh, what's been happening... The other guy that you talked about in that first podcast was uh, Marino. Yes. As an important addition. How has he looked so far? Well, he was legitimately the best defenseman in the world in October. Uh, that has since come down statistically. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. That feels, that feels a bit hyperbolic. In the world? Okay, fine. In the okay. tri-state area. That'll do. Okay. 
Take that, Adam Fox. I don't respect you that much. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, Ranger bashing aside, which I'm sure is always appreciated. Always. John Marino has been utterly great in general. Statistically, they his numbers have taken a big hit because he's been drawing a lot of the tough matchups on the road. Like we're talking games against Connor McDavid, games against um could no, not Kachuk. He's not on the flyer, uh, Flames anymore. Um, not anymore. Huber, Huberdo, Huberdo yeah. Lindholm. You know, he's drawing, you know, Ottawa is basically a two-line team. He's drawing one of those two lines. Um, trying to think. Toronto. Of course, Toronto. They're they're kind of a two-and-a-half-line team. You know, he's drawing Matthews or he's drawing up uh, Tavares and Marner. So, be, and, and Ryan Graves, I think, has been not that great next to him. So, he's not exactly getting a ton of help every night. Mm-hmm. Um, Marino, but Marino, again, watching in observation, like he's generally, um, on point. Like if you put him in a one-on-one situation against a McDavid or a Dreisaitl or a Matthews, he will get the job done and do so without taking a penalty. Um, he's commuted far fewer mistakes than his defensive partner. And while statistically he's come back down to earth, I would still say that he is an important reason why the devil's defense has been so stingy this season along with the glow up or the continued glow up, I should say, of Jonas Siegenthaler and Dougie, Dougie Hamilton. Mm. So getting into what precisely has been going on since that first game of the season for the Flyers, um, the guy I want to talk about first, because he's kind of the guy that we are hearing about nonstop, um, Jesper Bratt yes. has been uh, – like a possessed crazy person scoring goals. Um, last season, I mean, he was, he's never really been bad last season in 76 games. He had 73 points. Respectable. Pretty dang good. Um, the team. if my maths are correct, which solid chance they're not, um, he is on pace this season for 92 entire points on the year, which is uh, crazy good. It's real good. It, it is crazy good, and yet not the best on the Devils. Yeah, we'll get to that stupid guy, too. But I, I kind of <laughs> want to talk about Jesper Pratt because I feel like not came out of nowhere. Like, that's not the way to put it because he wasn't yeah. a nobody before this. But it, it kind of feels like he's come on this season in, like, a way more dramatic way than I would have expected. Is that accurate, or is that just what I'm seeing from the outside? I think I think that's definitely an outsider's opinion because I think he's really just continued a lot of what he did last season. Last season he was legitimately the best player on the New Jersey Devils. He partially because he played the entire season, whereas Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and Dougie Hamilton missed significant amount of time due to injuries. Uh, Bratt was able to stay healthy and just, as you said, put up seventy three points on a really crummy Devils team um, that had nothing to play for in the second half of the season, absolutely nothing to play for, but he came to play and made it, made an effort. I think what's really driving the perception is the fact that he had a really, what's the word I'm looking for here? Chicken like arbitration situation mm-hmm. Chicken in that, in terms of the game chicken, you know, yes. he's going to blink first. And ultimately, you know, the, the time passed, you think the hearing's going to happen. And then the devil's announced, Oh, we got a one year deal with him. Like, okay, good. You didn't go in front of the arbitrator because when the moment that starts, you know, all bets are off. Like the relationship between player and team is usually dead at that point. Um, So, you know, the general coping from the fans that feel like, you know, that Tom Fitzgerald's great and and everything's fine with the Devils and you're just a hater, John, 
you know, we're saying, oh, Brat's got to prove it. It's like he just put up 73 points, guys. Like, what more do you right. want him to prove? And and he's he's demonstrating that right now. Like, he's producing at a high rate. You know, he, he doesn't have a ton of – well, he has nine goals. That's not nothing. But he only has 58 shots. It's not like he's been shooting a ton per se. But he's constantly in the mix. He's constantly driving the play forward. He's, he's basically picking up where he last off. But because of that arbitration case, the fact he only has the one-year deal – you know, he's a probably a very hot topic in terms of is he going to get a big extension like Jason Robertson did, or I'm not Jason Robertson, uh, Rope Hints in mm. Dallas. He mm-hmm. got the big money, and the report that literally came out today from both LeBron and um, Elliot Freeman, which makes me think somebody spoke to the media recently, probably his agent. You know, you know, at, you know, putting up concerns of well, you know, the Devils would like to follow the Boston model of guys, you know, taking pay cuts, and you know, Jack Hughes only has an eight million you know, cap it. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. Jesper Bratt needs to get paid. And if the Devils are going to try to nickel and dime him again, that's probably the dumbest thing they could possibly do. Because as you said, he's on pace for 93 points. I don't know what else you want from the guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a yeah. guy that, this is not a case like, uh, you know, Kevin Hayes, where it's like, oh my goodness, should, does is he really worth 50 million over seven years? You know, Bratt's easily worth more than that, you know? Yes, but Kevin Hayes was a UFA, and you know how that goes. They get yeah, overpaid. Okay. I know, I know. Not the, I understand there wasn't the, the greatest of comparisons, but it's just one that came to mind. Also, not and, nearly the worst thing the Flyers have done in the last five years. <laughs> no, but that doesn't mean it's good. I'm fair. That's fair. Anyways, so so ultimately to answer your point, like yeah, if you're if you were made aware that Jesper Bratt you know, was as part of the arbitration signing, you know, he's on a one-year deal. He's scoring lots of points. You're thinking, oh, okay, I get it. You know, if you're an out, if you're not following the devils regularly, you know, it definitely looks like he came out of nowhere to do this. But the harsh, the, the reality is, is that he's really just picking up from where he did last season. And what he did last season was fantastic and deserves a lot of money. And I hope the devils do not nickel and dime him. I mean, you know, if you're a Philly, Philly area, you know, today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. The Devils are owned by the same guys who own the Sixers. Money is not an issue with these guys. Oh, yeah, so, but they are. They're nickel and dimey kind of guys, though. That's the thing. They're the worst. Based on their Sixers, based on who's on the Sixers and who's getting paid, I'm, I don't believe that for a second. Also, they own like eight soccer teams, and you can't nickel and their And their shitty soccer. t-shirts suck and are ruining everyone's lives. <laughs> I think your life is pretty good if it's a t-shirt that's giving you a lot of problems. It's not I like, like a sports t-shirt. I would like, I would like a little... A little longevity in a sports t-shirt. I shouldn't have to buy one every year. Okay. That much, that much I can agree to, but I could also suggest as a person who just wears out shirts and and other clothes until they fall apart, you you just kind of grit your teeth and just grow through it, you know? Anyways. Anywho. But this isn't about shirts. This is about the devils. This is about the flyers. I'm sure you have questions about what's going on. Mostly the devils. So... Let's talk about Jack Hughes, who Jack is the guy. Hughes, the big deal. The big deal. You are still, we're still doing the big deal. Um, yeah, so he's, 
Uh, pretty good, huh? You know, I don't like this fake modesty that lots of people in hockey and other sports go like, oh, this guy set an all-time record for home runs. I guess he's pretty good. Like, come on, man. You you could say he's excellent. You could say he's sensational. He's marvelous. He's all world. He's, you know, he's he's the big deal. Now, Jack Hughes is not all world. I mean, you know, there are some other guys in the league I probably would take ahead of him. But we're talking about the dry sidles and the McDavid's of the world at this point. And based on his current form, Jason Robertson, who probably is maybe the best player in terms of form in the world right now. Anyways, but yeah, Jack Hughes currently tied for 14th in all, you know, league scoring right now with 28 points, 101 shots on net. You know, the complaint from a lot of Devils fans is he needs a finisher next to him, not realizing that they have the finisher. His name is Jack Hughes. He's averaging a a goal every other game and he has over 100 shots on net. You know, he's only two behind Mr. Ovechkin in terms of shots. He's only three behind Matthews and Robertson. You know, I mean, I get, I mean, sure, bring in Timo Meyer if you can somehow fit him under the cap and want to make Brett sweat a little bit for his contract. I guess you could do that. But, uh, you know, Jack Hughes is that dude. He is him, as the kids are saying these days. He does seem, he does seem to be that dude. Um, I mean, I guess. Like, outside of just, like, good players are good, which is, like, right. kind of the obvious answer. Right. What would you say has been the biggest driver of this double season? Of the season? Like, what's made it this good? Because you weren't you weren't looking at this coming in. No. I No, no. This has been so an like, utter, total surprise. Yeah. So, like, outside of Bratton Hughes are good, they score goals. Like, okay, right. yeah. We get that. Yeah. But, like, is there something deeper? that has been pushing this team as high as they've gone so far. Yes. And this is going to this is going to go back to the coaching. And this is, I guess, another point in not, I guess it's another point. It is another point in favor of Lindy Ruff. So in the previous two seasons and in a couple seasons under John Hines before that, the devils have had a nightmare in the second period. And oftentimes it would be a result of, you know, they had a bad first period or an okay first period, but then it just goes worse. And then by the time you enter the, you know, the third period, the game's pretty much over, you know, or you're put in a precarious situation where you think it's going to be lost and lo and lo and behold, it does. You know, um, the difference is that the Devils have been able to make lots of comebacks after slow starts. Um, it's something that I think it's going to catch up to the Devils to a degree. It kind of did in their most recent game in overtime loss to Nashville. Um, it definitely happened in what caused them to break a 13 game franchise tying winning streak, uh, against Toronto right before Thanksgiving, um, where the devils are basically, they're getting outshot a little bit. Maybe they're down a goal or two in the first period, or they tie it up within the first period, but it's like one of those periods where you just go, okay, it looks like the other team has figured out the devils. And then the second period happens. And then the devils just tilt the ice. You know, they're, they're putting up 15, 20 shots on net. They're mm. scoring goals. They're drawing calls. They're, they're making it happen. As long as the Devils don't do anything to uh, shoot themselves in the foot, like taking penalties themselves, which has been an issue in November. Um, and as long as the Devils are, you know, paying attention, um, the Devils have just been able to turn one and two goal deficits into winning results. They actually did that in their overtime loss against Nashville, where they, they gave up a goal 11 seconds into the game. They gave up a goal within the final minute of the first period. For a lot of teams, that would have been like, okay, it's not going to be our night, guys. You know, come out in the second period, the Devils scored three goals in five minutes against Juice Soros of all players. Mm. You know, I mean, this is a team that can do it. And most importantly, Kelly, 
is that everybody's contributing. It's not just Jack Hughes and Jesper Brad and Nico. He should put in up the points, mm-hmm. but they're getting goals and contribution, other contributions from guys like Jaeger Sharon Govich, like Dawson Mercer, Fabian Zetterlou, the Swole Swede, Miles Wood, who probably may not play tonight uh, against the Flyers. Uh, Michael McLeod has a couple points. Nathan Bastion chipped in here and there. Even the defense, even guys like Ryan Graves and, um, you know, guys like Ryan Graves and John Marino have points on the board to join Hamilton in his high shooting ways. Like everybody is finding ways to chip in even, and, and play well, which helps the Devils make these comebacks or just put games away in the second period, going on to make life a lot easier in the third period. So who stinks? Who's been bad? because <laughs> there's got to be somebody there's always somebody well with the way the devils have been performing like they're 19 four and one it's hard to say anybody stinks um no way somebody of... always stinks john there's always somebody okay well i'll put it this way these guys are the guys who i will gently say have the most to improve upon um in terms of guys who've been playing regularly because in the la- most recent game with the devils um Alexander Holtz and Kevin Ball got to play uh, games recently. I'd say the fourth line has been a good energy line, but in terms of five-on-five performances, they're the guys that seem to struggle the most. I mean, my, and that kind of makes sense. Miles Wood has never been a good defensive player. Back-checking for him is basically he's there, but he's not really there. Guy Michael McLeod tends to get overwhelmed more often than you'd like him to see. Nathan Bastion has actually been pretty good. Uh, Zetterlund is kind of helping them out. Um, but that fourth line is probably the quote unquote weak line in terms of the run of play, in terms of production, the third line, which has had Jesper Bokefist on it. It's kind of been a revolving door, which hasn't been good for Jaeger Sharon Govich to get going. Jesper Bokefist finally got some points on the board, so he's looking a little better. But when Andres Palat eventually gets healthy and returns to the lineup, you know, some fans are feeling that Jesper Bokefist probably is the guy that needs to sit for him, though that's not an issue for until like another month or so. Uh, defensively, Brendan Smith gets a lot of slack because he's this guy who's just kind of there. He's the number six defenseman. Statistically, he looks, he looks awesome as a third pairing defenseman next to Damon Severson, who's cut down on a lot of some of his stupid errors. Uh, that being said, you know, Kevin Ball is younger, bigger, bigger, younger. Did I mention he's bigger? Um, you know, they want to see Ball in place of Smith, um, you know, which Personally, with the way the Devils have been performing, I don't think I would touch that, but I, I hear the argument. So if you're looking for guys who, quote unquote, stink, which I'm going to disagree with, I'd say it's those guys who are at the very bottom of, of the lineup, so to speak. Uh, but they're not so bad that they're necessarily going to be a liability in tonight's game against the Flyers or necessarily in future games, because the way the Devils have been going, they may be the ones to score the goal to uh, tie up the game or yeah. extend a lead or you know secure the W. So the last question I'll ask you before the final question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of more back to that kind of existential stuff. You also, in addition to Lindy Ruff, had some not so nice things to say about Tom Fitzgerald. I made right. several jokes about the Devils winning the offseason. Yes. Are you prepared to say, or do you believe that it could be true, that Tom Fitzgerald is actually a genius and he has done an Eric Tulski? In that he has quietly assembled a team of dudes with sick underlying numbers that simply weren't getting the results. And now the results are coming and they're like a goddamned unstoppable force. Like, is Tom Fitzgerald actually 
an extremely good general manager or did he fall ass backwards into the success? Well, the correct answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, mm. I will say that the underlying, some of the underlying numbers from last season were good. However, I would qualify that to say, yes, but half of that season didn't matter. <laughs> you know, by the time it was January 1st, 2022, the devils were out of the playoffs. Right. So, you know, it's basically garbage time. Uh, that being said, you know, the reason why I was more critical on our first show is because in previous off seasons where, as you would say, the devils won the off season, I wrote a whole bunch of posts saying, I like this move. I like this move. I'm excited for this move. And then the devils go and completely fall flat on their face. Mm -hmm. So eventually you start to realize, let's not get excited here. Sure. I like the addition of John Marino over Ty Smith. I agree. It's a big one, but I need to see results before I start getting excited over this. You know, I like that Brandon Smith is a competent veteran um, defenseman to shore up the depth instead of relying on a Kevin Ball or a Riley Walsh or a Nikita Akutyuk or even a Simon, Simon Nemich, who has remained in Utica, to necessarily take the role. And But I need to see the results. Andrej Palat, I like him a lot as a player. I don't like that contract, but I like him as a player. But I need to see results before I could start believing this works. Vanacek, I really do think could do really well, but I need to see the results. You see where I'm going with this? So they got the results. Right. And so obviously th these now it looks like it's great. And I will also point out the underlying numbers that were not bad last season are even better this season. Like there's a legitimate glow up here that's just beyond guys finding the back of the net with a high shooting percentage or Vanacek and Akira Schmid for four games playing out of their minds for the most part. Um, so I do think that to a degree, the Devils have assembled a team, like Fitzgerald intentionally assembled a team mm -hmm. that would be good in theory in five on five and in, and overall. But that was also the case the previous two seasons, and it led to, you know, diddly, diddly squat for a whole bunch of different reasons. So I think it's it's a combination of the two. I will point out that I know that Harris and Blitzer, the, the Devils owners, are very big fans of analytics and have mm -hmm. basically given yes. a lot of power to Tyler Dello, formerly of MC79 Hockey, if we're going to go back to blogging days. The old, and old days. <laughs> the old days. And and Matt Kane, who yeah. uh, was don't, don't Tell Me About Heart, you know, suppose, you know, I'd like to think that they've been... You know, they've had seats at the table along with Dan McKinnon and Kate Madigan and obviously the GM, Tom Fitzgerald, to put this roster together. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing the results because, again, you don't you don't have teams where your lowest XGF percentage in five on five, which is currently owned by um, his name's cut off here, so I can't fully see it. Ryan Graves. Mm. It's 50. It's three, 53.2, Kelly. Like he's our, he's above water by a hefty margin. Uh, you know, you don't assemble a team where that's your lowest guy. Uh, that's what I'm accident. saying. Like, that's the thing that's for as, you know, a Flyers fan. That's the thing that's scariest about this Devils team is that it's not just the results. And I know a lot of people don't put yeah. any stock in the nerd numbers, but when those underlying fancy stats, if you will, yeah, are as good as the results, like – that just means like none of it is smoke and mirrors. None of it is yeah. luck. None of it is, you know, shooting percentage. None of it is PDO. None of it is bounces. Like it's just, yeah. they're good. Yeah. And that and, is and so annoying. It is. <laughs> and I pointed this out by Thanksgiving, the Devils could be a dead average NHL team from then on out, which is, you know, 60 something games. And they'll still get a hundred points in the standings. At They'll this point, team. 
you know, to be awful. A, a, to miss. We're somewhere between a quarter and a third of the way through the season. Are you, John Fisher, planning a parking lot parade for the New Jersey Devils? Well, given that the Devils play in Newark now, and I'm and, and tell me that you haven't been to the Prudential Center without telling me you've been to the Prudential Center because there ain't a lot of parking lots in Newark. Uh, there's parking areas. <laughs> there's a nice. There's a big fancy parking deck that he built uh, during last season, which you know hmm. looks nice. It also costs like thirty dollars to get in. Um, I'm not going to plan a parade because I do have legitimate questions about how things will go for a postseason. I will say that I, John Fisher, on December second, year of our Lord, 2022, at 6:15 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm saying the Devils are going to make the playoffs. The wow. Devils are going to make the playoffs for the first time since 20 Whoa. since uh, 2018. Was Old prediction, John. <laughs> and wait, I'm not done yet. I, the boldness is coming. Uh-oh. The Devils are going to win a round. I the, mean, last time, the, the last time the Devils made the playoffs, they got they got thrown out by Tampa Bay in five games. Well, they're very, Tampa Bay game was very good, but still. I think it's pretty safe to say at this point they're going to win the Metro. So well, I do the snap. So, so at all about the Jersey, I do a snapshot every Sunday, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically to document how every team in the metropolitan division is doing. And I got to say, un- un- annoyingly for the devils, while they have a hefty lead right now, they have eight points ahead on Carolina. In addition to a heap of tiebreakers since, you know, up until this past Thursday against Nashville, the devils have either won in regulation or won in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have the tiebreakers, strong one over Carolina and even the Islanders. But still, the Islanders have been very good. Pittsburgh has figured out how to win hockey games. They're clearly out of their seven-game slump. And Carolina is the one team that I would argue is a better five-on-five team than the Devils. And as you know, five-on-five teams that are very good at five-on-five, they're typically very good hockey teams. They tend yeah. not to blow it unless they have bad goaltending or bad special teams or something else that Eric Tulsi didn't figure out for the first six years he was in Carolina. Carolina is um, the only team you have to worry about. Easy. Mm, the Islanders are bullshit. No, as, as always. No, they totally so, are. So Sorokin's the best goaltender in the division. And that, that's, the that's the thing. Like, that's what they have. So if that breaks down in any way, that's it. Kelly, they're done. Kelly, they're, they're a plus 16 goal differential team. They're, yeah, they're scoring goals now. Matt Barzal is actually, you know, filling nets now. Yeah. <laughs> If I'm a Devils fan, I'm not even I'm well, not even glancing we'll behind the, me at the Islanders. Well, we'll find out next Friday because the Devils will be hosting the Islanders. This month for the Devils is important, not just because, you know, every month is important when you're a hockey team. But the Devils are playing a lot of games at home this month and a lot of games within the division as this is the first of two meetings oh boy. against the Flyers. It's true. In fact, this is one of the few road games the Devils will have and. You know, it's not like they're traveling super far for this one. It's in Philly. Yeah, it's, you know, right down the turnpike, as they say. Mm-hmm. You can take the train. I love the okay. train. Um, final question. How many goals will <laughs> the New Jersey Devils beat the Flyers by? By how oh. many goals, if you want to be grammatically correct, will okay. the New Jersey Devils beat the Philadelphia Flyers? Because that is the only outcome that we're going <laughs> to it's, it's not even, hey, can the Flyers beat the Devils again? Because I can give you the... I can give you the blueprint. The, you want the, the first, blueprint? The first game was, and I think I said it on our first pod, there was no chance the Flyers were losing their, losing their home opener. Not a chance. Wasn't going to okay. happen. 
just because they were all amped up, new coach, home crowd. It was kind of like a fuck you game, you know, like we're not that bad anymore. I knew that there was no way they were losing that game. That was fake. Um, this one's going to be real. So there really is, there really is, in my opinion, unless something insane happens, like, uh, you know, between now and tomorrow evening at this precise time, everyone on the New Jersey Devils gets the shits. Can't play. Well, well, Akira, Maybe well, well, Akira Shmeed did have it in a bit of illness, and Miles Wood has is out for undisclosed reasons. There, it's, it is possible they could be getting a little bit of the illness through the locker room, but we'll see. Um, yeah, the Devils lost their game against Nashville in overtime. They gave up the equalizer with eight seconds left, and they had a comedy of errors to lose in overtime where three Devils ended up in the corner in their own zone. This may oh. shock you, Kelly. It ended badly. Uh, I've seen that several times. Never goes well. Yeah, it never does. Um, so I, I would like to think that one of the things that Lindy Ruff has been very good about, similar to what I've been saying about second periods, is you know the Devils tilting the ice in response to a not so great first period or a slow start or whatever. I you know so far with the limited amount of data that we have with losses, you know the Devils came out pretty strong against Buffalo after losing that game to Toronto to end that winning streak and put up twenty shots on forty-one-year-old Craig Anderson in the first period. So I'm going to predict that the Devils are going to come out strong against Philadelphia to make a point of it. Philadelphia, as you know, is hurting, literally and metaphorically. I think the Devils are probably going to finish this game the same way they finished against the Capitals last Saturday, which is a 5-1 result, meaning the Devils are going to win by four. Okay, okay, okay. Five unless Carter one. so unless unless Carter Hart wants to put on his Juice Soros pants or his Matt Murray pants and push some goals off the moorings. Uh or I'm trying to think who what other goaltender has had given the devil's problems. Oh, Capo Kakinen in San Jose, believe strangely enough. Oh, in Bravo Francois. Um if he wants to do an impression of any of those four guys I just mm-hmm. mentioned, that's pretty much gonna be the only way the Flyers are gonna they have to stay in the game. If 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 they if this game stays at five on five or the Devils get warmed up on special teams, um, it could go very very badly for the Flyers. I mean, it's gonna. We got a taste of what the Flyers look like against the league's top teams when they played Tampa Bay the other night. It went about as well as you thought it would. Um, they're just. I mean, you can't even really get mad at them. They're they're just not the assembled group of gentlemen are simply yeah. not that skilled hockey players. They they just aren't. No. You can't no, get mad at them. Just like you, like you can't get mad when half the team's injured, so you, you're relying on a bunch of AHL call-ups. They're going out there. They're doing their best. They look like shit. Can't do anything about it. It's not their fault. No. That's no, what they all with the Flyers. The Flyers are just bad. They're real, right. real bad. And right. a team playing like the Devils, Carter Hart can do everything he, he wants to, and he probably will. You know, I'm going to say that the Devils win 3-1, to one, and it's because Carter Hart stands on his head. Okay. Um, like that's the kind of result we can hope for if Carter okay. Hart stands on his head. Otherwise, it would get real fucking ugly, real fast. Well, I mean, case in point, you know, not to big up the Devils' offense even more, but you know, uh, the Devils torched Carol Vegmelka when he was on a hot streak for four goals. They mm. torched Ilya Sorokin for three non-empty net goals in the first meeting against the Islanders way back in October. Uh, they made Thatcher Demko look like a chump stain. 
in their game against Vancouver. They made Stuart Skinner, who was on a hot streak, look like a chump stain. Jake Allen has had the devil's number for decade for a decade, and they've made yeah. him look like a chump. So yeah. Uh, oh, and Igor Shosturkin, you know, gave up four to the Devils. You know. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people listening have just like me seen the highlight reels and your stupid team is just like, just scoring goals. Like the goals are just going, like it's happening. And in a way, just to sort of put a bow on this, maybe that's the really most surprising thing about this. Because as much as the discussion for the Devils has been about, is the goaltending going to be good? Is the coaching going to be good? Is Tom Fitzgerald, you know, not a dummy and put together a good team? The most frighteningly amazing thing about this is that this team is legitimately one of the best attacking teams in hockey, both in terms of production and process. And so even yeah. if the goaltending does go south or the coach has a bad night or or whatever, the Devils are able to outscore their problems. And they're going to play, they're going to find that out against Philly. Chicago is going to find that out on Tuesday. And we'll see if Sorokin can salvage it on Friday and Shesterkin presumably on the 12th on Monday. Scoring goals, folks. It's good. It is John, good. where can people find you on the internet? You could find me at allaboutthejersey.com, which is the blog for the people who matter, the New Jersey Devils fans. And you can follow at AAT Jersey blog on Twitter, which shall live forever. Yeah, we're, no one's leaving Twitter. No, where of course we, Where are we going to go? Honestly. Exactly. Everybody's like, follow me here. Like, where, no, yeah. you're not going to Gab. You're not going to Mines. You're not going to Parlor, Truth Social, Hive, Mastodon. Mm-mm. You're not going there. It's like YouTube. Everyone will complain about how it's run and then still go there because who else is going to undo YouTube? You're really going to go to Daily Motion, huh? You're going to go to Video Jug. I feel like I'm ranting out of a window here. Video you're going to go to Rumble. Like, I don't. I don't know about Video Jug. That one sounds like. That's an you old know. one. That's a really, really old one. I that just one sounds like you're going there for a particular reason. Oh, no, you no, no. Those, the, no, those sites are way more explicit Video than that. Video, their, their whole thing back when YouTube was a startup, their, their thing was like, we're going to be like the self-help site, you know, like you can oh, like do DIY stuff. But I guess they picked Video Jug because That's whatever, why they but, never made it. Well, yeah, a, a, good, a, good, a good brand kind of needs a good name. All right, John, I hope that you enjoy this game against the Philadelphia Flyers. I hope that uh, at the very least, maybe uh, Nick Delario will punch someone in the face. That's always fun for everyone. May he sit in the box for many minutes. He, he, he probably will. Everyone listening, I hope that you also enjoy the game if you choose to spend your Saturday evening watching it. Uh, yeah, go Flyers. Thanks, John. Go Devils and go America. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.